Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. So we're starting a message series called Principles of Purpose, and I'm excited about it. And we're going to kind of highlight a guy in the Bible that um, he's famous for building an ark. And you may not heard of him, or you may have. His name is Noah, and he's, uh, he's my dude, and, uh, and, I, and I really like Noah. And Noah is famous for building an ark, and he's famous for, like, having blind faith. God asked him to build an ark. There'd never been rain before. He's like, let's get busy. Um, he's famous for being a master carpenter. There, were no, um, uh, there wasn't electricity. He built a 510-foot boat. Um, with no electricity and not much help. So he's famous for being a master carpenter, but what I think Noah should be known for as much as anything personally is that Noah was full of purpose. And when you think about the word purpose, it can be interchangeable a little bit with like um, fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling the call that God has for your life, um, fulfilling the plan that God has for your life. And we talk about that kind of a lot from the stage here because here's what we believe here at The Brick is that we believe it does not matter how much about God you know, even how much scripture you know, how much church you go to, what matters is how much of what you know do you actually do? Like, what do you do with what you have? And if you have a lot, but you don't do anything with what you have, uh, you're, you're just a big old fish tank and you have nothing flowing out of you. So we push all the time that it doesn't matter so much to how much about God you know, but how much about what you know are you activating in your life? And that's what I mean, I think it means to be purposeful is to have what you know flowing in your life. You know this much, you're doing something with that much. You know this much, you're doing something with that much. And that's what we believe our call as a church to do is to kind of activate people, get them headed in the right direction towards Jesus, taking their next steps. And when I think about purpose, I think it would be cool if we could complete the plan of God just by chilling. Um, I like the term chill. I like the word chill. I like when I'm involved in anything that has to do with chill. Um, Matter of fact, I would love for God to tell me while I'm binge watching Netflix, eating five bowls of cereal, cracking a couple monsters open, and then the clouds part open, Father God speaks, and he says, well done, my boy. Um, And that's actually God's voice. But if he says, well done, my boy, just like that, I would feel like that is awesome. But purpose does not run downhill and land in your lap. It has been reserved for individuals willing to make the steady climb towards it to get it. And Noah is one of those guys. And the first thing I recognize when people decide they're going to be purposeful people is that they actually start paying more attention to things because purpose has a way of leaving clues. So anyone that's going to be purposeful, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be at your job, whether it be in how you parent, how you do relationships, how you handle your finances, how you handle your hobbies, the way you act at your kids' school games, you know what I'm saying? No matter what it is, if there's something you're adjusting in the realm of purpose, the first thing I notice people do is they start paying more attention. And Noah, he was purposeful. And purpose will leave clues. For him, it left a unique clue. Noah's grandpa was 969 years old when he died. That's an old man. That's really old. And his name was Methuselah. Can you imagine to have to be called Methuselah for 900? That's horrible. But anyways, his name was Methuselah. And what the word Methuselah meant, because back, back then names were important, what the word Methuselah meant was that when he is gone, it will come. 
And can you imagine building a boat knowing that it's fixing to supposed to rain for the first time and then your grandpa passes away and then all of a sudden you've got to get this boat done. See, purpose leaves clues. Noah knew that when his grandpa passed um, that he would have to get the boat done because purposeful people pay attention. And I'm not saying go look up your grandfather's name to try to find out what God has left some spiritual blues clues for you to figure out what your purpose was. That would be silly. Um, my grandpa's name means helmet. Um, uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so you don't do that. It's not going to lead you down the right path. Um, but purposeful people, purposeful people pay attention. And as soon as we decide to have purpose and fulfill the purpose of God on our life, we notice their antennas go up, if you will, and we start paying more attention. And that's what I believe Noah should be known for. And you can kind of find this in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. We're going to stay here for a little while. Verse 9, it says this, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Let's back up right there. Noah was a righteous man. What's that even mean? It means that when it came to God, Noah had a right stance. And maybe you're in here and you're not even for sure if you believe in God. I think you're in the best place that you can be. Here at the Brick, we say this all the time, that we want this to be a place that you can belong before you believe. And contrary to popular belief, oftentimes people don't just surrender their life to Jesus in a moment that they didn't see coming. That does happen sometimes and it's a miracle, but oftentimes people are like me. I pondered, I processed, I began to weigh out what I thought was factual, wasn't factual, and it took me a little bit to get there. And if you're like me and you're in here and you're not for sure what your stance is on God, the first clue that I believe God has left right here is this, is that if you want to have purpose, it's all going to start with what is your stance towards God? Is he, is he not? Is he for me? Is he against me? Is he good? Is he bad? Is he mad? Is he happy? We've got to have the right stance towards God, this is a place that you can take your time in forming that stance. And that's what I love about this place. You can belong before you believe. That's the first clue I believe there is that Noah was a righteous man. Second thing it says is that he was blameless in his time. This one was a curveball for me to be transparent with you because I felt like if you have to be blameless to fulfill your purpose, then I am disqualified. As a matter of fact, if you have to be blameless to fulfill your purpose, I need to take the mic off. Let's run to rib crib right fast. Um, get an early lunch. We'll beat everybody else there because if blamelessness is criteria for fulfilling your purpose, I'm not the guy that needs to be up here because I know that anytime I wasn't blameless, there's a consistent pattern that I've found out. Anytime I missed it, there was somebody there, um, and his name was Ryan. Uh, he was there every single time that he wasn't blameless. So if blamelessness is necessary in the context of what it seems like in order for me to fill my purpose, then I've already disqualified myself. So it must mean something else. Purposeful people, pay attention. So let's find out a little more. So I look up the word blameless, and I actually find out that the word blameless doesn't mean that Noah never missed it. It actually just means that Noah had his own convictions that Noah had convictions in his life, and those convictions help him get back on track when he did miss it. Noah was a man full of convictions, and convictions is a funny word because oftentimes we think that just because I have one, my neighbor should have one. And, or oftentimes we think that just because I have a conviction, this means it's the conviction for everybody else out there. But we find something else out, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. 10, it says that, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I love it. It says we are his 
workmanship, meaning God designed me, he created me, and I've read this maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand times, I'm not for sure, but I've read it so many times, but something really hit me when I read it in a different translation this week, and that different translation says this, it says, for we are what he has made us, and for me, man, it gave me some freedom because I recognize the challenges that I have, the issues that I have, the struggles that I have, the trials that I have, although they may not have came from him, the way I handle them is unique because I am right now what he has made me to be. The things that I don't like about me when I look in the mirror and the insecurities that I have, it's not that some of those things are not negative, but uniquely I have been designed by him and he's not surprised by the way I respond to things because I am what he has made me to be. We are what he has made us. And my hope is, is that that scripture would come off of that screen and land in your life and hopefully give you freedom so that you're not so hard on yourself, so that you don't immobilize yourself, so that you can move closer to your purpose to recognize that you do not have to be blameless in the sense of never messing up. The gospel is not a behavioral modification book. The gospel is a book to where I form personal convictions and we need different ones because I lean ways that you don't lean because I was made uniquely and you were made uniquely. So I don't mean an overarching conviction to where we believe that God is real, but I mean a personal conviction, not a behavioral modification, but a conviction to where here's things that I'm going to allow my life to do and I'm going to allow my life not to do because I need these to stay on purpose. And as Christians, and sometimes in church, we find out that people will prescribe like a doctor their conviction on somebody else. And they don't necessarily need your conviction. I was in church and there was a guy that had been saved for two weeks and he comes running in and they gave him the microphone. And I think you're in store for anything when you let someone that has only followed Jesus for two weeks talk. So I think they had what they had coming. And he comes up there and he had a bag on there and he's talking, he had a merce. And he opened up his merce and I was like, what is in that merce? Um, but anyways, he opened up his merce and he pulled out a bag full of money. Like all this money. I was like, he robbed a bank. The guy robbed a bank and he came to tell on himself. But no, he didn't rob a bank. He got up there and he said, you know what? He's like, I've been serving Jesus for two weeks. He was like, and I told Jesus, he said, I went gambling. He was like, and I told Jesus, if I won big, I was going to give him all this bleeping money. He said it just like that. And I was like, you go, dude. Give him money. And he did. He gave him the money, and there was joy on his face. And about uh, some of the people were excited for him, but there were some other people in the crowd that they missed the whole testimony. They missed the joy. They missed the freedom they should have had. And here's how they missed it. It's because they had a personal conviction, right, that they tried to apply to a man that has served Jesus for two weeks, and they missed all the good in what God was trying to do in the moment because they did not recognize that their convictions were for them to fulfill their purpose, not for him to fulfill his purpose. You had a man that had only been serving Jesus two weeks and already gave him $10,000, and you had a person judging them that hadn't tied $5 in their whole life. Your convictions for you to fulfill your purpose. Their convictions are fulfilled. Yeah, would, would, would God maybe want to deal with him about his speech? Yeah, he would, but that's maybe in his time. And what if God never did? But we're not the physician. We don't prescribe the convictions. God's going to use his life to fulfill his plan. 
Oh, but he was, yeah, but he brought $10,000. Well, that's dirty money. No, money takes on the nature of the hand that it's in. When it got in God's hand, that $10,000, it was blessed money. That's why you can take 10% of your income and you can tithe and it do so much more, grow so much more, help so much more, be so much more. Because in your hand, it was 10%, but in God's hand, it was a tithe. And he honors the tithe and he stretches the tithe and he blesses the tithe and it helped people and it helped you. Money takes on the nature of the whose hand is in. When he took that $10,000 and he put it in God's hand, God did a lot with it. And at two weeks old, by two weeks old, I mean, he's been serving God for two weeks. He had given his life, surrendered his life, been reborn for two weeks. He already had in spades people that were in the crowd judging him through the lens of their personal convictions. He had in spades over them what they hadn't figured out yet. We need convictions for us to fulfill our purpose, to keep us on the path we're supposed to have. What's the first thing Noah had, in my opinion, figured out? He had the right stance towards God. When he looked at God, he thought the right things. He believed the right things. He believed that he was. He believed that he was good. He believed that he had grace. He believed he had love. But not just that. What else helped Noah fulfill his purpose? Noah had convictions. And we need to have convictions. And our convictions are not behavioral modifications. Our convictions are not, I do this, I don't do that. It's so much bigger than that. Our convictions are parameters that we put parameters we put up in our life so they keep us on purpose. And if you don't have any, I want to challenge you this morning, find out what God would have you raise in your life. And these things are not limiting things. These things are freeing things. They're freeing things. And when you get free in that area and you look back, you find out, you know what? Purpose was never going to run downhill. I was never going to be able to stand in this spot and make zero adjustments, make zero changes, and run smack dab in the middle of my purpose. I had to steadily make the climb. No one knew that he had to have the right stance towards God. No one knew that he had to have convictions to fulfill his purpose. And it goes on. Pull Genesis back up right fast, guys. It says that Noah, righteous man, blameless in his time, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. If the first two are principles of purpose, this is the superintendent, if you will. You have to have a relationship with God so that you learn things about his character. Because it's a little trippy, and I don't believe it's fair, because we're in verse 9. If you were to drop down to verse 21, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for Noah to blast Jesus. Because Jesus is like, it's never rained before, go build a boat. Not any boat, 500-foot boat. Not with much help, only with your family. Have you ever tried to do anything working with your family? And then all that, it took them years to do it. And on top of that, they didn't have hardly any blueprints. On top of that, they had no electricity, no running water. They smelt, they stunk, they were next to each other. People were, cr I mean, it was nuts. Everyone on the outside I was criticizing them, scrutinizing them. And the whole time they're trying to get this whole thing done. And I'm expecting at the end of God, given the instructions of how to build the boat and why to build the boat, I'm thinking Noah is about to let God have it. Here it goes. Here it comes. Turn loose, Noah, because that's what I think I would do. And then verse 21, Noah says, I'm paraphrasing, I got you. Like that don't, I'm not gonna fulfill my purpose. Because if that's the attitude that I need to have when God gives me this laundry list of stuff that needs done that's never been done before, and the reason it needs done is because something's going to happen that's never happened before. How am I going to just respond with, I got you? There's the clue. There's the thing that people want to fulfill their purpose, pay attention to. The light bulb comes on. Noah walked with God. See, there were some things that Noah knew about God that no longer required him 
to have to know about building a boat no longer required him to have to know what rain felt like, looked like, smelled like. He didn't need to know any more details. It wasn't that he didn't have any questions. It was just that all the questions he would have about why had already been answered because he walked with God. He already had a relationship that told him the nature and the characteristics of the one he was serving. My wife, her name is Haley. She's the Life Kids pastor here at the Brick. And she is full of grace and full of mercy. And she is fine. And I love her. And if someone came running in and interrupted this sermon and said, Ryan, you got to come, you got to come. Haley's outside and she's punching an old lady in the face. I'd be like, no, no, my wife is not punching an old lady in the face. I wouldn't believe you if you told me that. Then if you came, no, you got around the corner and take a peek. So I run around the corner and I take the peek and sure enough, there she is just feeding this old lady. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. Even then, my first thought would not be, oh my goodness, look at that. My first thought would be that old lady must have had it coming. She did something to warrant the butt whooping that she's getting right now. And the reason I would feel like that is that I know some things with my wife. I've walked with her. That lady had to give a kid a wedgie, slap it in the head. Something bad happened for my wife to start feeding haymakers on that lady. And the reason I feel that way and the reason I would still feel that way even after seeing it is because I've walked with my wife. I know my wife. The reason Noah could hear about rain for the first time, hear about an ark for the first time and say, you know what? I got you. It's because Noah walked with God. He walked with God. And I believe that this is the principle of principles. If you want to fulfill your purpose, is that you have to have time you spend with God. And it doesn't need to look any certain way. It doesn't need to have any criteria. It can, you can pray, you can have worship music, you can meditate, you can read your Bible, you can talk, you can have Bible studies, you can get on your app. It doesn't need to look any way, guys. We don't, we, we, I, I don't want I want to take the limits off the categories that do limit you. So if you think that my time with God has to look a certain way before me to get any benefit out of it, go ahead and throw that out the door and just start doing you with him. I mean, 30 seconds in the morning. I'm going to pray for 30 seconds on Tuesday. Well, man, that doesn't seem like much. Yeah, it doesn't, but it's more than not praying for six months just because you haven't put any convictions up to lead you closer to purpose. Start somewhere, and you'll walk with God. And then the purpose that he starts to reveal to you through conversations, through prayer, through people communicating, through your loved ones, through your friends, through the Bible, however he starts to lead you and show you, you'll be like, you know what? Actually, God, I got you. And the reason you'll be able to say that is, is because you walked with God. Noah had a right stance on God. He thought the right things about God. Noah had conviction. He had parameters. Noah walked with God. And what I recognize is this, is that there are people that you're saying, that all sounds good, bro. Like, that all sounds good. We would love for all of that to be true, but I don't have any hope that any of that would work for me. And here's what I recognize, is that when the enemy or life or people, when bad things happen to us and we feel let down, the devil is not after our health, although he might attack it. He's not after our house, although he might try to steal it. He's not after our marriage, although he would love to get us, make us get a divorce. He's not after our kids per se, although he would love to send them to hell. He's not after all these things that it seems like he's attacking. He's after the thing that's in the middle of all those things, and that is called 
hope. And some of us have been attacked so much that we have lost hope that God would have a purpose for us. And to be transparent, I felt like personally there was a season in my life that I drove Jesus' name through the mud so much that I would not need purpose. And there was a time where I felt like I was at my lowest point and I was minding my business, sitting on the couch, watching the television, and I felt like God was in the room. I didn't seem, I didn't hear an audible voice. That's not what I'm saying. I felt like he was in the room and I was like, whoa, you got my attention. What's going on? And to me, he reminded me that he had a purpose for me. And I'm like, why would you remind me at the lowest point of my life that you have a purpose? You need to come in with a wooden paddle the size of an oak tree and tan my hide for the way I've been being. But that is not the way God does business. God is a purposeful God. And you may not believe that he has anything for you because maybe you feel like you don't have the hope to believe it anymore because it's been an attack. It's been attacked on your life. And here's what I want to encourage you to do is that you need to over protect things that you value. But oftentimes what we do is we underprotect things and we overvalue other things. We will hear that a storm is coming and we will pull our car in the garage. And then the storm of life will come and then we won't open scripture, we won't pray, we won't worship, we won't do anything. We will underprotect something because we have forgot what it means to value our hope and protect our hope. And the enemy is after your hope. He wants to rob it from you because he knows if he can steal your hope, he will get you off of purpose. And I'm sitting here, I'm in the fifth grade, I'm the starting quarterback at Hilldale Elementary. I'm 100 pounds soaking wet and my center, the guy in front of me who's supposed to protect my life, is is 80 pounds soaking wet. And we are playing some guys, and it's the, it's, it's the last game. I almost said it was a championship game. That'd be a lie. We were not in the championship. It was the last game of the year, our championship game. And the kids that we were playing were growling at us because their mothers haven't fed them in a week. And they're growling at us, and I've got this guy smaller than me in front of me, wide receiver, runs in real fast. We're like on the 50-yard line, I think. And he's like, Coach says, QB sneak. QB sneak is where I take the ball and I just try to power myself through all those hungry dogs and get to the end zone. And I'm thinking, nope. No chance. No chance. I'm the last play of the game. They are not eating my lunch. I don't tell anybody this. I'm just thinking this to myself. So I say, down, set, hut, grab the ball. Poor guy next to me kind of just stared at me, just kind of threw it at him. And he caught it as a reflex and about the time he caught it, they ate his lunch. They buried him in the ground. I mean, they buried the kid in the ground. I didn't feel bad. I saved my life. I mean, it cost him his, but I saved my life. I get on the sideline. Coach grabs me by the mask. You know, he's like, he's like this. That's the play. Do you not trust the play? He's like, I told you what play to run. Do you not trust the play? I was thinking about it, and I gave him the most honest answer that I could give him. I was like, Coach, no, it, it wasn't that I didn't trust the play. I didn't think it would work, but it wasn't that I didn't trust the play. I didn't trust you. And since I didn't trust you, I didn't trust that the play you gave me would get me in the end zone. How did Noah fulfill the purpose on his life? Noah knew that the play would get him in the end zone because Noah trusted the one that called the play. And if you don't trust the one that calls the play, it doesn't matter how intricate the play is, how much mad science goes into the play, how much, how awesome the play seems, for sure this play would work. It doesn't matter. There's no certainty to get you in the end zone for anything that God calls for you if you first don't trust the one that has called you to make the play. Purpose starts with the way I view the one giving me the purpose. And when I look to him and I recognize that no matter what this costs, what this hurts, what I lose, what I gain, it doesn't matter. Because if I'm still 
deal with you when I get through this. That's the W. That's the win. That's the end zone. I get Jesus. And if I get Jesus, I'm good. That's the hope that I have right now is that when I finish my life, I get Jesus. And it doesn't need to make sense. I don't need to be able to figure it out. I don't have to put one plus one equals two. No, I'm good now because here's what's happened. I've walked with him long enough that I trust the one calling the play. And my encouragement to you today is this, is that no matter what the play is, I'm not saying don't use your brain. God's given them to us. We're supposed to reason things out. But if reason ever runs into revelation, or in other words, if your finite mind ever runs into his infinite wisdom, lean on his wisdom. If your ability to comprehend ever runs smack dab into his ability to be good and gracious and eternal, and you've got to choose between what I get and who I get, choose who you get. Choose him. Choose him. My little boy, not my, he's 10, so he's not that little anymore. His name is Kaiser. And we're going fishing. And it's a big deal to me because one of the things I want my kids to talk to their kids about is how they went hunting and fishing with their dad. And that's, that's a big deal to me. It's actually one of my convictions. I want to spend time. I'll make room to do it. And we're talking to my neighbor, and my neighbor's got a pond about the size of this room, and my neighbor's talking to us about this 20-pound catfish in his pond. And we leave the conversation, and my son's got a smirk on his face, and he's like, uh, he's like Dad, is there a 20-pound catfish in that pond? And I was like, son, that, he's like, well, what does that make our neighbor? I was like, son, He's a fisherman. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what he is. Um, uh, and, you know, I, and I try to explain to him sometimes when you've been fishing for a little while or you've been hunting for a little while, trees look like deer. You know what I'm saying? Just different things taking place. But anyway, so I said, but we'll go. So we got a little noodle, we, the ones you swim with. We tied fishing line on it, put some bait on there. We went fishing three times. Nothing ever happened. So I'm out there swimming out in that water, grabbing the noodle, pulling him back. And my son's getting a little discouraged, but we go one more time. And I throw the noodles out there, and we're going to the house because I think it's done. We're going to eat dinner. And we're in my side-by-side driving away from the pond towards our house. And my son kind of shrieks. He's like, Dad, the noodle went under. And I'm like, there's, no, there's just no way, son, they didn't. So we turn around. He convinces me. I go, and sure enough, the noodle is under. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good. So I get out there, and I'm swimming, and I'm waiting out there, and I'm trying to get to this noodle, and it's going under, and I'm trying to find it. And it pops back up on the other side of the pond, and I'm swimming over there. I can't catch up to this guy. So I get out, and I grab my fishing pole. And I throw it out there, and I hook into this noodle, and I start reeling this fish in. And Kaiser's like, Dad, is it big? Is it big? And I'm like, man, yeah, this is a pretty good-sized fish. And we get him all the way to the bank. It took forever. We get him all the way to the bank, and this fish turns, dorsal fin hits the line, cuts the line in half, smiles at us, and swims off. (laughs) And my son looks at me, and there's there's nothing. You know, you can imagine his face. He's like, and he looks at me, he said, Dad, how big was that fish? Like, he's about 20 pounds. Officially, <laughs> he's about 20 pound fish, son. He was. And then he looks at me, he's kind of in despair a little bit, and he looks at me and he says, Dad, but is there any hope? And I didn't want to lie to him because that dude was gone. Like, he was gone. And I was like, Son, I, we're probably not going to catch him again today. We go home. The next time I try to take my son fishing, he's like, Dad, actually, I, I don't think I want to go fishing. And I'm kind of like, ugh, and I don't want to force him to do it. But like, it's a big deal to me. And it doesn't, I mean, for me, it is, it'd be, I don't know, it's just a big deal. I, I want to enjoy those times with my, with my children. And he didn't want to go fishing. And I was like, okay, son, we don't have to. And I was like, oh, I, I might have teared up. I was like, man, and I asked him again. He said, Dad, I don't, I don't want to go fishing. So I asked him, I said, son, why don't you want to go fishing? He said, Dad, because it doesn't do any good when you fish. He was like, because even when you get them to the bank, he was like, they take off. 
I was like, ugh, ugh, that stinks. And then about six months later, Kaiser comes to me. He said, Dad, you know, we've got a lot of fishing poles. I was like, yeah, we, we do got a lot of fishing poles. We do. He was like, you think we ought to use some of them fishing poles? And I was like, yeah, son, just whenever you're ready, we'll, 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 go, we'll go catch some fish. We'll, we'll use these fishing poles. A couple days later, I've got him with me. He's like, well, let's go fish at the neighbor's pond. And I was excited about it. So we take the fishing poles and go out there. And I'd like to tell you that we caught that 20-pound fish. We, we didn't catch that fish. But we did catch a fish. And he got it all the way into the bank. And when he got it all the way into the bank, I saw a little light come back in his eyes. And we fished a little bit longer. And you know what? We caught another fish. The bait was this big and the fish was this big. <laughs> but we caught him. And I know the light come back in his eyes. And I recognize something in that fishing story, and here's what I recognize is this, is that sometimes the reason that people don't fish is because there's no hope to catch anything. Maybe you've fished before and he got off the line. Matter of fact, maybe you fished before and what you had close to the bank was the biggest one you've ever seen. Surely God's hand is in this. It's so close to my life. I can reach it. I can touch it. It's right there. That's mine. He promised it. It's good. I trust him. It's right there. And boom, it, it got off right when you could see it. Maybe you were so close to what you thought your purpose was and the walls came crashing down. My prayer for you this morning is this, is that you would trust that the one who has called the place is so good that you would look and see that you've still got some poles, you would walk out, and you would fish again. And if your purpose doesn't seem to be as big, it doesn't matter. Because what's big is the one who asks you to fulfill your purpose. What it seems to be to you does not matter. I don't care if it is this big, this big, this big, this big. Pursue your purpose again. Get moving again. Hope again. Hope for the first time, believe that the one who has given you purpose is good enough to walk you through the whole thing. I don't care if last time you pursued purpose, you were so close to it, you left it smelling like fish, but you never touched it. You can do it again. Get back on track. Do you have it in yourself to do it on your own? Probably not, but he's never asked you to do anything on your own anyways. He's never asked you to take a step by yourself. Every single time you felt lonely, that was the biggest lie you ever felt because you've never, ever been alone. You've had him. Who is he? He is the creator, and you are as he has made you, and he has got you dripping wet in this moment with purpose. If you're 80, you're full of purpose. If you're eight, you're full of purpose. If you've missed every fish you tried to catch, you are full of purpose. And this morning, he has crafted out a moment in time as he sets in eternity and decided that you were important enough for him to carve out a space for you to find him in a way that you've never felt him before, seen him before, heard him before, knew him before. And today, you were important enough for him to say, you know what? I want them to fulfill their purpose. So he took some boy that he raised out in the country to tell some silly story about fishing with his son in hopes it would wake something up on the inside of you so you would pursue your purpose with the zeal that he wants you to pursue it with, with the energy he wants you to pursue it with, that you would look at your career and say, this is important, but my calling has to be in front of it. You would look at, at your debt and say, you know what, as good as it is to feel the joy I feel from these things, they're in the way of my purpose. There are some good things in your life, but they're distractions because they're good, but they're not purpose. Get rid of them. Lay them down. Abandon 
man, I'm talking some serious stuff. Start taking the steady climb up the hill that we call purpose and watch God show himself to you in ways he's never showed himself to you before. If it's nasty, now is the time to switch. If things are good, now is the time to switch. If things are great, now is the time to switch. Or things are the low. No, whatever the time is, read your watch. Whatever it says, it's time. The winds of change are coming to your life. It is time for you to make adjustments and to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And if when you really mean, if your bait was bigger than your fish, it's the fish you were supposed to have because you ran the play for the one that created you. And he built you uniquely, designed you uniquely, put you here uniquely, spared no expense when he purchased you with the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And right now, although the enemy would love to rob you of your hope, he wants to pump hope back into your life. He wants to pump it back into your life. Refocus, readjust, realign. Noah had the right stance towards God. Noah had convictions. He was blameless in his, convic- in his convictions. And Noah walked with God. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.